Well, it's September already, right? Hard to believe it. We're in the month of, what month is it? Elul. Yes, the very last month before the new year. All the kids are going back to school, right? How many of you have kids or uh, they're in school? How are they doing? They having a good year so far? All right. Of course, I'm back to school uh, in my day job, right, as a, as a teacher. And uh, the first thing that we practice, uh, you know, why don't I just do it with you? All right, is that okay? All right, <clears throat> so this is what we do. Buenos dias, clase. <laughs> Teacher, senor wine. Senor wine. Yo soy el senor wine. Ustedes son la clase. Let's try again. Buenos dias, clase. Buenos dias, senor wine. Muy bien. And then we do, como estas? What? <laughs> Show me with your hands. Como estas? These are advanced students here. And we do, bien. Show me bien. Así, así. Oh, mal. Oh. All right. ¿Cómo estás, Wayne? Muy bien. Excelente. ¿Cómo estás, Lloyd? No, no. <laughs> bien or mal? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás, uh, Lisa? Bien, así, así, o mal? Muy bien. All right. Can you show me with your hand? Very good. So that's what we do in the class, all right? Um, Elul is a very special time in the calendar uh, because we're about to enter, of course, the high holidays, the apples and honey of Rosh Hashanah, the holiness of Yom Kippur, the joy and the shelter of Sukkot. It is traditionally a time of preparation. This time, we get back to basics like I was doing in the classroom, right? The first thing that I do that I teach my students is to ask, how are you, right? That's the most basic thing that we learn in Spanish. And so that's what we're going to do today. How are you doing? That's what we're going to ask. What I mean is, how are you doing spiritually, all right? I've written a couple questions um, that I asked Maggie to copy, um, so you'll have copies after the service. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Okay. Um, so um, it's, it's just a, kind of a, a, a bunch of questions that we can look at. All right? And I've called it Elul Spiritual Tune-Up Questions. Tune-Up. Right? How many of us have used a car before? Right? Many of us? Okay. And what happens when you don't get it checked out regularly? You don't get it uh, mall. <laughs> you don't get a tune-up. You just kind of neglect it. What happens? Mall, right? You don't really get where you need to go. And it's the same with our spiritual development. We need a tune-up. So I'm going to read these questions, and you're going to get a copy of them after the service. So here we go. <clears throat> Let's think about these. How is our relationship with God in this season? How is our devotional life? Are we reading the scriptures every day? Are we worshiping God every day or just on Shabbat? How is our relationship with our spouse, our family? How is our relationship with our children, with our parents? How are we doing in the area of discipleship? 
Whom are we discipling or mentoring? Who are we reaching out to and, and shepherding? And who is discipling or mentoring us? To whom are we reaching out with the love of God, with the gospel? Are we praying regularly? Are we tithing regularly? How are we stewarding what God has given us? He's given us finances. He's given us our bodies. He's given us resources and time and energy. How are we stewarding those things? How are our priorities? Are we putting first things first and second things second? Right? There's priorities in scriptures. Are we submitting to Hashem in every area of our lives? Are we only submitting to his kingship in some areas? So this is just a, a, an initial list to get us thinking about it. Now, I'm not sending this list. I'm not giving you this list from on high, right? I need it as much as anyone else here. We all need times of spiritual reflection. And Elul, this month, is a great time for that preparation. I want to encourage us to take the sheet home afterward and kind of reflect on it, maybe during Shabbat and the time leading up to the high holidays. However, we want to do this in a way that is biblical, of course, right? The great Jewish sage, who I love to quote, of course, I'm referring to Jerry Seinfeld, right? Okay, he does this bit about car trouble, you know? You know when your car breaks down and uh, you pull over to the side of the road and uh, what do you do? You open up the hood, right? And you're, you're hoping for uh, like something obvious, like an on-off switch that's in the off position. You can just go, oh, right? But really, you don't really know what you're doing, right? But you have to pretend. You have to kind of look at it and yeah. He does it, he does it better than me, okay? Um, this, this, of course, is, is, a, is a fantasy. There's no on-off switch. So what do we need? We need a trustworthy mechanic, somebody who really knows what they're doing. And scripture backs this idea up. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24 reads, we have it, <clears throat> I will search my own heart by myself and try to fix myself on my own. And Oh, what? No? I'm reading it wrong. Okay, let's see. What does it say? Thank you for correcting me. Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. We're asking God to know our thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Who searches our hearts? God does. Hashem. He is the trustworthy mechanic. Let him check under the hood. Right? We don't know what we're doing out there. Okay? In other words... When we ask these questions, these Elul spiritual tune-up questions, we should do it before God and allow him to show us what he would like to do in our hearts. This is not a do-it-yourself job. Trust the professional mechanic on this one. Amen? All right. Now, uh, my wife has an affectionate nickname for me. I'm going to share that with you. I'm going to be a little vulnerable. Okay. And this nickname is... Stinky. Yeah. This is because, well, sometimes I'm a little bit stinky, apparently. Apparently, this is true for, for many men. We just don't realize it until we get married, 
right? And then, is this, is this true? Am I on my own here? <laughs> I've just been vulnerable now. Yes? Bonnie? Yeah, okay, good. Phew. So, apparently, we don't smell the best all the time because all the manly things we're doing during the day, right? Okay, this is normal. But then sometimes, I want to, you know, come in and give Sonia a hug, right? I want to be close to her. But there's a problem. I can't because stinky, right? So she will direct me to the shower where I can alleviate the problem. And then we can hug again, right? Problem solved, okay? Elul is also a time to draw near to Hashem. But you know what? We're all spiritually stinky from time to time, okay? And Hashem, he does want to be close to us. But the spiritual stink sometimes gets in the way. So how can we get clean? The first thing we can do is we can repent. We can repent of our sins, which is, in the Hebrew, it's turning away, turning away from it. One of my favorite verses, which is 1 John uh, 1, verse 9, this is what it says. We may be familiar with it. If we confess our sins, let's read it together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the Greek word here for purify, katharizo, it also means cleanse. Some of the translations say that. Okay? In the Septuagint, which is the Greek Tanakh, the Greek version of the Jewish scriptures, um, the Old Covenant. This is the word used for cleansing in the Levitical laws. It's the same Greek word. Leviticus 14, verses 3 through 4, reads this. This is just one example. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, right, sounds kind of stinky, the priest shall order that two live clean birds there's clean, and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be, what? Cleansed. It's the same word. Both of these terms, clean and cleansed, have the same Greek root in the Septuagint. In other words, just as the ritual cleansing in Leviticus, it allowed people to do what? To enter the presence of God in the temple. So too, the act of confessing our sins and our mistakes is like a shower. It cleans us up so we can be close to God. Repentance, turning away from sin, is how Yeshua cleanses us from the dirt of that sin so that we are made new, of course, by his sacrifice. The end goal here is that we're coming up to an important day. What are we coming up to? It's Yom Kippur, right? This is the day we come before the king of kings. And uh, we want to have done all the scrubbing and all the washing beforehand, right? Imagine you're a farmer, all right? And are there any farmers here? Okay, so you can imagine, all right? Imagine you're a farmer and you're in a kingdom, right? And you're invited to the royal palace, right? And to meet, and you're going to have dinner with the king, the king of all the land. It's exciting. Are you excited? All right? Would you show up just kind of after work one day with the soil all over your clothes and in your hair and just kind of stinky? No, 
right? You probably would start, you'd ask around for the nearest river, right? So you could, uh, so you could get cleansed, clean up. You'd probably get your best clothes, you know, whatever you had, and you'd prepare for the meeting that way. And of course, this isn't just some king that we're meeting on Yom Kippur, but the Melech, Melechim, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So as we go through the list, let's soften our hearts and allow the Ruach to reveal to us ways that may not be pleasing to God. And let's turn away from these things. Proverbs 3, verse 34 says, He, meaning God, mocks proud mockers. It's kind of fun to say. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. He shows favor to us when we have contrite hearts, when we come and we say, you know, there may be some things that I could work on at this time, when we have humble hearts. If we approach the season of preparation with humble hearts, then I think we will be ready. So, we've seen that Elul is a great time for a spiritual check under the hood, and that we need Hashem, we need Him to be our mechanic. And we have seen that Elul is a great time to cleanse ourselves in repentance and preparation for Yom Kippur. But how can we continue to grow in this year, 5777, after the high holidays are over? Well, next week, I hope you will all be here because, excuse me, I'll be giving a sermon introducing some of the vision and values and goals that the elders and I have prayed about and processed and written down. And after that, as I mentioned before, we're going to have a congregational meeting and uh, to kind of have a Q&A back and forth to, uh, so that we're all on the same page. And this is about the vision of Tikvat, but of course, we all personally need vision for our own lives. Amen? So Elul, therefore, is a great time to start to seek vision for this coming year. This is where repentance meets the future. They kind of collide there. It's one thing to turn away from past behavior, but it's another thing to set yourself up so that you can move forward. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without a prophetic vision, the people throw off all restraint. Throw off all restraint. But he who keeps Torah is, what? Happy, right? The principles in Torah help us set boundaries. Those are the restraints. And they define the path toward closeness to God. Yeshua says this in the Besora of Luke 14, verses 28 through 33. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees you will ridicule you. Ha, 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 saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my Talmudim, my disciples. 
Now, the, the context of this quote from Yeshua is about counting the cost. We understand that. There's a cost to being a disciple of Yeshua. But it can still be applied to planning, I think, because we need to think ahead, right, about where we want to be. We plan beforehand to count the cost of being Yeshua's disciple. We don't want to just jump into it. We plan in order to fulfill his call on our lives. He has to tell us beforehand. So what does this planning look like in the practical area? Well, when the elders and I prayed and processed vision for Tikvot, we looked at where we were. We defined our values, things that were important to us. We took stock. We looked at all of the ministries and uh, organized them. We prayed for wisdom. We prayed for guidance. Then we articulated goals and timelines based on those values and that vision. So we aligned everything with those vision and values. And we can do the same thing in our personal lives. My wife and I recently met with a friend and... uh, we, we, I think we really gave him excellent counsel in this area. So she helped him make a schedule and sort of prioritize his time and think about the big picture. And I shared with him a few scriptures that I thought of um, to help capture the big picture and helped him to see some patterns and themes. And really, we all need this from time to time, I think. So a spouse or a mentor a brother or sister or a parent. These are great people to process vision with. If you're married, then you have a joint calling, something God wants you to do together. So it's a good idea to dream and set goals together with your spouse. And if you're not married, you have a calling that God wants you to bring you into. And a mature disciple of Yeshua can help you draw out that plan. Where are you going? What is your vision? What are your goals? The Apostle Shaul likens this process to training for a race in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27. Raise your hand if you've ever trained for a race. Any runners in here? Oh, nice. Okay. So this is what he says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, you can't just wake up one day and decide to run a marathon, right? That would be crazy. Likewise, we can't just wake up and be spiritually healthy. It requires counting the cost. It requires discipline. It requires agency. Shaul is doing a kol vachomer here, a lesser to the greater. He's saying, if athletes train and train their bodies to be able to get a plastic trophy or a little bumper sticker on their car that says 26.2. Have you ever seen those? Right? They work hard for those, right? 
then how much more, how much more, kol vachomer, should we train our spiritual selves to win the prize in Messiah Yeshua? Today, we have talked about the preparation of Elul. And even though I didn't say it in the beginning, I had three points. Number one, sometimes we all need for God to check under the hood. Number two, cleansing comes through repentance. And number three, spiritual growth takes planning and vision. Amen? All right, let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, thank you that you are King over all the earth, that you're King of our hearts. We pray um, that you would use this time, this special time, the month of Elul, to draw us back to you, to reveal the things that we're doing that don't please you, to reveal to us your will and your calling and, and, and who you've made us, and ultimately, Lord, to reveal the depth and height and width of your love for us, that we would be rooted and established in your love to go forth and partner with you on the earth. Lord, I pray that for everyone that hears the sound of my voice. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.